Well, hey, welcome to Sunday Nights at Res Life. My name is Pastor Jake, and I am excited to bring this message to you tonight. It's entitled Growing in the Gospel. And I'm gonna show us a way that we can read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. So I'm really excited. I pray that tonight that God would use my words to bless you and help you grow in your relationship with Christ. So let, let me just pray for us as we get started. So Heavenly Father, I just pray God, I pray for anyone who's watching this live or even as it's recorded and, and people are watching later on. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit, God, would illuminate the scriptures to them. God, it would illuminate their path forward to be a light to this world. And I pray, God, that you'd bring families together. God, that you would bring our world together in this time. God, we love you. We put our trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to start tonight by, uh, by going back uh, to my college days, uh, I was taking a class at GRCC and it was a discrete mathematics class. And I specific, specifically remember one test that I was taking. I was, uh, I was in the test and I was taking it and it was one of these problems that was extremely complicated. If you know anything about discrete mathematics, it's about proofs and it's about making a lot of connections and, and it's just a lot going on right in this class. And I remember this moment where I'm stuck in this problem and I cannot figure it out. I cannot figure it out for the life of me. And I end up skipping the question and then I go finish the rest of the test. And then I come back to it at the end and my time's running out and I'm getting nervous and I'm getting so frustrated because you know, I'm writing it down and I'm erasing, I'm writing it down and I'm erasing. I'm sure some of you had frustrations, maybe putting uh, something together or working on your car where you just can't figure something out. And I remember the moment though, the moment that it was like the aha moment. It's like this connection hit in my brain where it was like, I knew how to solve the problem. And it's one of these like most, it's like a euphoric moment where you're, you're just such a rush of adrenaline comes in. And I know it's silly because I'm in a discrete mathematics class at GRCC, but it, it's like this aha moment. And that's kind of the idea that I want to talk about today and how when we read the Old Testament, we can actually have these aha moments, these aha moments. So before we start, we're, like I said, we're entitled Growing in the Gospel. This message is Growing in the Gospel. And so... I wanna to read to you 1 Corinthians 15, three through five. And so this is kind of a, a passage of scripture that, that really defines and really describes the gospel and what we mean by it. And so I'm gonna start reading. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Remember, this is the gospel, the good news, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. So this is the good news. The good news is that Christ came. He lived a sinless life according to the scriptures and that he died for our sin. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. He went down to, to and he defeated death and he raised back to life. And the fact that he raised back to life is proof that Christ is superior to death. And so by us putting our faith and trust in him and through in his resurrection, we can have eternal life. This is the good news that we can be saved, not by works, through faith. This is the good news of the gospel. And as we put our trust and faith in that, we start to be conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. 
And this is the life, is, is, this, is, this is the gospels that we are being, our lives are transformed to not live according to our flesh and our sinful, selfish desires, but to live according to the scriptures and then according to the purpose that God has for our lives to be a light to the world. So as we talk about growing in the gospel, growing in our understanding of what God's called us to do, I wanna talk to us about looking at the Old Testament and how that can help us. Now, for a lot of people, myself, included I growing up like growing up I remember reading these stories and if you're anything like me I remember reading stories like David and Goliath right hearing about Samson Moses leading the people out of Israel Jonah in the belly of the whale Daniel in the lion's den and I remember reading those scriptures and, and, and listening to the stories and I would always I would always place myself as the hero in the story now there's not anything inherently wrong but I believe that's an inferior way to actually read scripture and apply scripture. Because when we're the center of the story, that can be a problem. So as I'm, as, as whether it's I'm David and I am a little boy and I'm like sl- slinging the slingshot or whether I'm Samson and I pretend to grab the donkey or the jawbone of a donkey or whether I'm Moses and I'm holding up the staff, leading the people through the Red Sea or or I'm Jonah in the belly of the war, I'm Daniel in the lion's den. Now it's not, it, we can learn from their stories, but it's not the best practice to place ourselves as those heroic uh, historical figures that the Bible describes. Now, because really what they're there for, those people, those, those leaders and those men and women of God, the reason they're in the Bible, in God's word, is actually for a greater purpose. And really the Old Testament is a collection of arrows that are pointing us to the most important figure in all of the Bible, Jesus. So whether you're talking about Abraham or Rahab or Esther or Samson or Daniel, all of these people are actually pointing like arrows to the person of Jesus, his coming, his death and his resurrection. You see, the whole Old Testament is pointing to him. And if I place myself in the middle of those stories, I might miss out on what those stories are actually trying to point me to. And so today I want to help us growing in the gospel, growing in our understanding of the good news is finding Jesus in the Old Testament. And you'll find that it's just like that aha moment that I talked about, that once you see it, it starts to come a little bit more frequently as you read the Old Testament. And so I'm really excited to share this. I think it's one of the most, one of the most uh, adventurous things that we can do is, is find Christ in the Old Testament and see how the New Testament confirms what the Old Testament has said. Because the Bible is the greatest book that's ever been written. It's God's very word. So let's seek to understand it a little bit more. So I have two things I want to share with us tonight, two, two what we call shadows of Christ that are found in the New Testament and the, or in the Old Testament that point to the New Testament. So really what I'm talking about as we're finding Jesus, it's called a shadow. So What we need to realize about shadows though, is that shadows, we can only learn so much from them. They, uh, we can only see the shape of the object. We can't see the details. We don't get to see the, the fine tuning accuracy that a true object represents because a shadow is, is we're limited from what we can know by simply a shadow, but we can know something. 
And so these Old Testament stories, these Old Testament uh, uh, characters can represent, or they're what's called shadows of Christ, who is the most important figure in all of the Bible, in all of eternity. And so really we can grow in the gospel. We can grow in our understanding of the gospel by discovering the shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. So like I said, I wanna show you two examples of that that we can find. Before we get into that, I wanna share with you uh, just uh, Luke 24, 27. It's a crazy story. It's called the road to Emmaus. And so Jesus has just risen from the dead, but his disciples don't know it yet. So the greatest event in the history of mankind, Christ rising from the dead after being dead three days, his disciples don't know that he's risen from the dead and they're acting all mopey because they think that their savior has been defeated. And so these two guys, two of his disciples were walking on this road towards Emmaus. And Jesus, who's just been resurrected, shows up on the scene. It's incredible. He shows up on the scene and he starts chatting with these guys. He's like, hey, so what's going on, guys? And they're like, haven't you heard about uh, Jesus who's been crucified? And Jesus is literally like, no, tell me about it. Like, it's it's such a funny uh, story that you read. It's in Luke 24, like I said. And it's just so funny that Jesus plays this uh, scene out like he did. And so that these disciples tell Jesus about Jesus's death. And then Jesus says, okay, tell me more. And then he, and then Jesus, there comes a fork in the road and Jesus is going to go left and they're going to go right. But then the disciples are like, hey, it's getting late. Why don't you come and stay with us tonight? Still not realizing that it's Jesus. And so they go, Jesus goes with them to the disciples' house. They're sitting down They're sitting down eating and and literally as they're eating, Jesus gives thanks for the food. And as he's giving thanks, it says their eyes are opened and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) And they have this aha moment that it's Christ, that this is Jesus. And it says he opens their eyes. And this is what it says in Luke 24. Just a crazy account, right? It's such an incredible uh, picture of Jesus's personality and down to earthness that we can say. So Luke 24, 27 says, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. Jesus opened their eyes to all of the accounts that were referring in shadows of himself in the Old Testament. Jesus opened the disciples' minds. And I believe that tonight we can have our eyes opened in a sense to finding Christ just like the disciples did in Luke 24. And so really, a way that I like to think about this is is with cars. And you've probably had this too. Uh, I drive, uh, we bought our, I, I drive a Ford Edge, like an 07 Ford Edge. And before I got the Ford Edge, I literally had never thought about this car, a Ford Edge. And as soon as I bought the car though, I was like, hey, there's another Ford Edge. And then there's another, oh, look at that. There's another Ford Edge. And I literally see the Ford Edge almost every time that I go out on the road. And I had the same thing with with previous cars. And I've come to find out that once I buy a car, I see it everywhere. 
And it's this thing that once we're aware of something, we can actually find it easier. And so that's my hope and what we can accomplish tonight is that as you read the Old Testament, you'll be able to find Christ more easily than before because that's what the whole Bible is about. It's Christ, him crucified, him raised from the dead and us repenting and living our lives all for the kingdom and all for the glory of God. And so the first example I wanna give is Jonah. Jonah, you, if, you're, if you're familiar with uh, the story, is about this prophet who's supposed to go to Nineveh and he's rebellious and he doesn't want to go and preach to this people group because he thinks they're sinners and there's racial tension between his people and their people and he doesn't want to go. God tells him to go. And if you know the story, uh, you know it. If you don't, you can read about it in Jonah. But long story short, he's rebellious and ends up uh, being swallowed by a whale and spends three days in the belly of a whale, in the stomach of a whale, and then God actually uh, somehow, some way, Jonah beings, uh, becomes, uh, vomits, the, the whale vomits Jonah onto the shore of the, uh, of the city, Nineveh, where he's supposed to preach. And really, the, the Jonah is a shadow of Christ. He's a shadow of Christ. And I'm gonna give you some examples of how he is a picture or a shadow of Christ. So Jonah is a rebellious messenger from God, but Jesus, now remember shadows aren't perfect representations, but they're an image or a shadow. They're they're partially true, not fully observed or detailed. Jonah is a rebellious messenger from God. Jesus is the obedient messenger from God. Jonah hates the people God sends him to. Jesus loves the people who God sent him to. Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish. Jesus spends three days in the heart or the belly of the earth. And here we read in Matthew 12, 40, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Here's that shadow. Matthew 12 shows us that Jonah's three days in the belly of the fish was a shadow of Christ being three days in the heart of the earth. And this is something that we can observe more and more. Let's keep going. Jonah was a divine messenger to Nineveh. Jesus was a divine messenger to all of humanity. Here we read in Luke eleven thirty, For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the son of man be to this generation. Let's keep going. Jonah, Jonah in 40 days and Jesus in 40 days. So let's go to Jonah 3, verse 4. So, Jesus, so Jonah goes to the city and he starts preaching to the people of Nineveh. And this is what it says. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So he goes in the city, makes this proclamation. What you got to know about this word overthrown though, I want to focus on that word overthrown. The same word is used in 1 Samuel 10, verse 6. And another way that we can can read this is not overthrown, but transformed or changed. 
So another way to read it would be 40 more days and Nineveh will be changed. And so then we read in Acts 1, here's Christ in this 40-day period. So remember, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. He gets spit up, goes to Nineveh, uh, proclaims this 40-day message. Jesus dies on a cross, goes into the belly of the earth for three days, gets raised from the dead, and now he's preaching to the people. And let's listen to what he has to say. Here's this parallel or the shadow. To these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of how many days? 40 days and speaking, to, uh, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And what, you have, what we have to know is after these 40 days, that's when the Holy Spirit came and hearts, the hearts of men were transformed or were changed. God, was, God has this parallel with the 40 days of Jonah and the 40 days of Jesus once they were resurrected. So let's keep going with these connections between Jonah and Jesus. Jonah's hesitant obedience leads to salvation for Nineveh. Jesus's radical obedience leads to salvation for all who believe. And so the, the connections and the shadows are not limited to the list that I gave us. And something that we need to know, when we're looking for shadows, when, you, when you, you're reading your Old Testament, you're reading throughout scripture, uh, kind of a, a good way to think about it is we shouldn't go and make up our own shadows. We, I shouldn't go and read through Leviticus or Joshua or, or any of the Old Testament books and, and find my own shadows. A good way to think about it is as I'm reading the New Testament and it references the Old Testament, I should go back and study that and see if it's a type of Christ. So we can't just make up our own shadows. The New Testament will point us to the shadows that are found in the Old Testament. Just like we saw here with Jonah and Jesus, uh, Acts 1, 3 talks, talked about it. Luke 11 talked about it. And Matthew 12 talked about the shadow or the connection between Jonah and Jesus. And so that's our first shadow. Second shadow is called the bronze serpent. And this is a very interesting story that's found in the, uh, in the Old Testament. One of those ones that doesn't really make sense. And as you're reading it, you're like, what the heck is going on here? But I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story of the bronze serpent. And so there's this, uh, the story of, of, of Moses and he has, he's leading the people of Israel and they get to this place where the people of Israel are in the wilderness and they're starting to complain. They're starting to say things like, it would have been better if we would have stayed in Egypt. The people are complaining and just regretting their decision to follow Moses and they're becoming very, their hearts are becoming hardened towards God. And in this, in this odd event that we read about in Numbers 21, uh, we see the bronze serpent. So let me read it to you. Numbers 21, eight through nine. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fire. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got to set this up. It's not including in there. So kind of the story is, I'm so sorry. Kind of the story is, is that they're complaining and God sends these snakes into the, into the village, into the, the, the area that Israel was inhabiting at the time in the wilderness. And these snakes are venomous and they start killing a bunch of Israelites. So the, here comes these snakes and they're just taking people out left and right. They're just, they're, they're biting and they're venomous and they're killing people. So the people of Israel go to Moses and they're like, yo, like you gotta like pray to God. Tell us how to, like, how can we stop this from happening? And this is what Moses uh, gets from the Lord in Numbers 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a standard 
and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on the standard, and it came about that if a serpent bent any man, when he licked, looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. When he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. If anyone was bitten by a venomous snake, if they looked at the serpent that was stuck on a pole, they would be healed and they would be saved. And I hope you're making the connection right now. I hope you're making the connection of a snake. You're like, okay, I get the looking at maybe the cross, but Jesus isn't a snake. Like, where's the connection? Let's read John 3, 14 through 15. Coincidentally enough, John 3, 14 and 15 are right before John 3, 16, which is probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Let's read it in John 3, 14 through 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So John 3 is saying the same way that the Israelites who were bit by venomous snakes looks at the snake on the pole. So will Christ when he hangs on a tree that anyone who looks at him will be healed, not of a, ven- a venomous snake bite, will be healed of the bite of sin, of the venomous uh, uh, killer Uh, killing nature of venom has, so sin has dealt with us. And we look at Christ and if we believe we can be healed of our sin, we can be saved from death. And I know you're thinking, Jake, but how come, how come it's a snake? I, I, I don't, I wouldn't, wasn't like the devil a snake, but listen, let's look at this connection. We find it in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for our sake, now the snake represents sin. Because the serpent came and he deceived Eve and that's the sin that's bit all of us. All have sinned and fallen short of, of the glory of God. Second Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin. He literally became sin, who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Christ becomes sin. He becomes the serpent that was hanging on a pole in Numbers 21. And you might read past that in Numbers as you're reading in the Old Testament and you may think, wow, what a weird account. But when you look at it in light of the New Testament, when we look at it in light of what Christ came to do, it gives us a much deeper appreciation for what the Bible is, which is an account of all these shadows pointing to this man, Jesus, who came to save anyone who would believe. So let's not look at the Old Testament as something that we don't need to read. Let's look at it as something that we can dive into and we can actually find Christ. We can find Christ just like we found him with the brown serpent, just like we find him with Jonah. We can find him with all in every book of the Old Testament. We can find Christ and it becomes much less boring that way. And I would argue it becomes much more transformational 
because we start to understand that the Bible is not a collection of individual stories, but it's a very complete narrative that starts and ends with it all being about Christ and his work to redeem and buy back humanity when they couldn't do it on their own. It highlights God's grace in a complete narrative woven throughout the entire book. And the world would like to tell us that the Bible is inaccurate, that it's, that it's, it's, that has error, that it was written by men. But I promise when we look at it and read it with a soft heart, with the Holy Spirit on our side, we start to read it in a way to think to ourselves, this is a book that was written by God. It was a book that was not just written by some leaders of the, the, the first century BC or even the third century BC. It was written by men inspired by the one true God creator who woven, wove it all together so that you and I could have it, so that we could grow in the gospel. We could grow in our understanding of God's work inside of our lives. So to end here, I wanna give you three ways to help you find shadows of Christ on your own. Three ways to help us find shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. The first step is to read through the gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through the accounts of Jesus. And as second step, as you're reading through the accounts of Jesus, whatever gospel that is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, Take notice when Old Testament characters or counts are mentioned. So take notice. And once you notice that you see an Old Testament character, stop right there and go and research it and make notes of how that story connects to the life, to the death, to the resurrection of Christ. And what will start to happen is the entire Old Testament will point, start to point to Jesus's uh, birth, death, life, and resurrection. And watch the Bible come alive for you and for me like never before. So go and research, research it and make notes. So I hope this blessed you. I hope it encourages you and equips you to start reading and diving into the Bible on your own. If you have questions, please reach out to a pastor that you're connected to at Res Life. We are not here just to preach to you. We are here because we wanna help you grow as a disciple of Jesus. We wanna help you grow in your knowledge and understanding of the Bible because we believe that the Bible will transform your life as the Holy Spirit breathes on it and changes the way that you view God the way you view yourself and the way that, that you view your role in, in your world, in your family's world. So we love you, we bless you. I just wanna pray with you as we, as we close here. I wanna pray with you and your family, wherever you're at. So Heavenly Father, we just pause right now. And to anyone listening, if you're, if you're sitting and maybe you don't normally go to church, but you stumbled upon this video, and you're not right with God. You know that you are estranged. You are far away from God. Tonight is your chance to make a recommitment. In John 4, Jesus is talking to a woman, a woman who had four divorces and was living with someone who was not her husband. 
And Jesus says to her, there's coming a day when my worshipers will not worship on this mountain or that mountain. There's coming a day where you do not need to be in a church building to connect with God. To that day is now. God is with you and he is reaching out to your heart because he wants your life. So many people are holding on to their lives and holding on to our life, living it the way that we want to live it will only lead us to death and separation from God. But praise be to God that he sent Christ to take our place. We all deserve death because of our sin, but Christ died on the cross for your sin and my sin. And he raised from the dead, proving that he is superior to death. And by believing and having faith in the message of that good news and repenting and turning from your old ways can land you in a relationship with Jesus that will fulfill you, that will give you eternal life and will give you a relationship with the creator God. If you wanna make that decision tonight, it's as simple as making a personal commitment to God saying sorry for all of the time that you've lived on your own and repenting and turning from your old life and running towards God with everything you have. If you wanna make that decision tonight, I wanna pray with you. Let me pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, for anyone watching who's making that decision, who's feeling this stirring in their heart to make a commitment to turn from their old way of life, of sin, of rebellion towards God. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will meet them right now. Meet them right now in Jesus' name. And I pray that you save them by your grace, that you save them by your power, and that you start transforming and opening their eyes to Christ's work in their life. God, we believe that you died, that you rose again, and that you are coming again. God, we, we repent from our old ways and we run towards you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen.